Prayer is the most powerful thing we can do in our days, but all too often it gets drowned out by the noise around us. But what if the noise in our earbuds could help us tune out the noise of the world and instead tune in to our most important conversation? That's why we're here, to bring you inspiring conversations, practical how-tos, and guided prayers to help you pray like you never thought possible. I'm Valerie Warner, and this is Prayer in a Noisy World. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Val. Good to be here. Yeah, so I'm excited for us to talk. Um, We're going to talk about your new book and how it relates to prayer. And also, I'm so curious about this trilogy idea, but we're going to get there in a second. But first, (laughs) let's tell our audience a little bit more about you and what you do. Well, let's see. You know, I always struggle with this question because I feel like I'm 150 years old and I've (laughs) been, I I do a million different things like everybody listening, right? So um, I guess the, the Cliff Notes version is, I'm an author and a speaker and um, a Bible teacher, and I have a couple of communities for women who want to write, speak, podcast, and I'm a mom and a wife and a follower of Jesus Christ. I think that sums it up in a nutshell. Yes. No, that that does. Um, so we always start off our interviews finding out what your prayer routine looks like right now. And this is always a question. I feel like everybody's like, wait, wait, I don't have, you know, this isn't what I do every day, but just a little bit about what your prayer life looks like in this season for you. I think in this season, which I, I like it asked like that because I do think, you know, prayer changes, at least mm-hmm. my prayer life has changed seasonally. Sometimes it's in chunks of time. So this year it looks like that. This year it looks like this. But I also think it can look different month to month or even week to week. Mm -hmm. This season of life for me is a lot of listening, uh, which is something I think in my younger years I didn't so much regard. I did a lot of talking I think that's true in general in life. You know, we, yeah. we do a lot of talking because we think we're, we have a lot to say and experts on things. And as you get older, you realize there's so much I don't know. And you do a lot more listening because you're eager to learn. That's kind of where I am in this season of life. I'm eager to learn from people, but I'm also really eager to learn from the Lord. And so that has resulted in my prayer life, listening a lot more. Mm-hmm. Some people call it contemplative prayer, which, you know, could encompass a lot of, a lot of different definitions, I think. But for me, it is sitting sort of quietly, almost uh, in a posture of, could be palms upturned, but more it's my heart postured Mm -hmm. in a way that is listening to what the Lord has to say. And I find a lot of communion in that silent prayer. And so that's kind of what it looks like and has looked like, I think, in the last couple years of my prayer life. Yeah, I'm glad you shared that because that's definitely one of the, it's probably one of our blog posts that gets searched the most is like, how do you actually practice silence and solitude? You know, we Mm -hmm. hear it. So just to hear somebody actively doing that, Um, Is there anything, any like practical tips for somebody who's like, I want to sit down and do that, but I feel like I'm, you know, easily distracted. Is there anything like that you do? Like, do you have your Bible out? Do you, um, anything that would help somebody figure out how to do this on a practical, 
uh, level? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think we're all easily distracted. So I don't, I don't want anybody to have the idea that some people are just less distracted, right? I think that's humanity. That's human mm-hmm. nature. So we're on an even playing field. You know, it, I'm no less prone to having the grocery list pop into my brain or the million to do things on my on my mind. I can be very, very distracted. And I think it, it is a discipline like anything else. Like anytime you practice anything, it, it is it is a choice. It is a discipline. And so I think initially you can expect a lot more distractions than as you grow in your discipline. So mm-hmm. uh, that's one thing is as you sit to do it, you can expect those things to happen, especially because I believe, you know, you have Satan who doesn't want you to be mm-hmm. <laughs> disciplined in this way, uh, going to throw a lot of things into your brain. So one of the ways that I found is helpful is to clear out as many physical distractions as possible, not having my phone anywhere around me in those moments, Um, you know, having the least amount of things to look at is also helpful, I think, in those moments. The Word of God certainly is helpful. And if you can couple it with a time that you are meditating on a verse, which a lot of times that's, that's what it is kind of involved in contemplative prayer, where you're where you're focusing on a word or a verse, and you then go into a moment of prayer where you're silently sitting, thinking on that verse, thinking on a word from Scripture or a word that the Lord has put on your heart, and training your mind to to think around it and speak to the Lord about it. So. It's not that you just sit there and say, okay, Lord, I want to empty my mind. Just talk mm. to me. Maybe it's that. Or maybe it's you're saying, Lord, you know, I want to dwell on the word forgive. Now, speak to me about what you want me to know. You know, how do I forgive? Lord, bring to mind someone I need to forgive. Um, Lord, teach me in this moment. And then and then just sit there and see what the Lord has to say. And as your mind starts to go to something else, you ask the Lord, please redirect me. You know, those kinds of things. It, it, there's no perfect science here. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, yeah. it, it, you know, it works every single time. I'm saying these are the things that will help you be redirected. And for me, sometimes it's it's sitting out in my backyard where I might not be able to see anything but grass and trees and um, being out there in nature with the Lord often helps redirect my mind as well. Absolutely. That's definitely um, a place I know I find a lot of prayer time. Um, How do you pray physically? Do you um, pray out loud, use a journal, um, go for walks? What does that look like? All of the above. I think for me, um, all of the above, I'll say, except for a journal in this season of my life. I, I used to journal. I, I loved journaling back when I was in my 20s and even probably early 30s, although that uh, that was, went by the wayside fairly quickly as I had little kids and I was running here, running there. Um, journaling was not a luxury I had in that season. Uh, but I loved the idea, certainly as a writer, it's it's super mm-hmm. romantic to think about, you know, this 
moleskin that you're got this great pen and you're writing all this stuff. And I, I love, I love handwriting. I actually handwrite all my sermon notes to this day. So that is a form of journaling in a way. But as far as prayers, uh, most of the time there's, they're out loud still, or they are prayed inside my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, often I'll do that because I find myself in spaces that praying out loud would maybe get people to think that I had gone loony. Um, although I don't super care about that, actually. Um, if someone hears me praying out loud, maybe that will spur on their faith. But there are lots of moments that I find myself needing to pray throughout the day in a moment where I'm frustrated or some, someone comes to mind or I'm I'm physically with someone that the Lord speaks to me and says, you need to pray for them right now. And I know that it is a space that needs to be in my mind. So I'll do that or I will definitely pray out loud. When I'm by myself, I I generally will pray out loud. Also, I'll type out prayer in prayers in my notes app on my phone. That's kind of replaced mm-hmm. my journaling. So I kind of do all of the above. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I'd love to talk about this t- book trilogy. Um, your latest book is the final like installment in this. And I haven't really seen this with nonfiction books very much, unless it's like maybe like a group of um writers who like they all have one in a series kind of thing. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and then what this final book dives into. Well, I I don't know that um, my publisher actually considers it a trilogy, but I do mm-hmm. um, because publishers, uh, you know, they, they want each book to stand alone so that if, if no one's ever read the other two, that it could be this new book, God knows, can be a standalone book. And it certainly is. You don't have right. to read the other two to uh, have this make sense. It's not like the Star Wars trilogy where you're completely right. <laughs> lost when you, when you just dive into the new book. The reason why it's a trilogy and I call it as such, is because God was very clear with me that I was to write a three-part discipleship process for the church. Uh, In about 2017, um, He literally revealed to me through a series of events, I wouldn't say I was sitting somewhere and it was like, you are to write this three-part trilogy. It wasn't like that. Mm. It was a a very um, organic process, but specific. And I think things can be both. It was a it was an organic, though specific process. Honestly, Val, in my in my process of reading the Word daily and prayer uh, of three topics, he didn't say these are book titles. wasn't anything like that. It was three topics through my own Bible reading hmm. that that I knew were important. They were more than just, this is a part of your daily Bible reading. It was very specific. These are to be things that you're to, to challenge the church with and encourage the church with both. And and they were this idea of Jesus over everything, which is the priority order that has to be in your life or nothing else really matters. The hard good, which is all of these things that are happening in your life that are difficult are being used for something in your life, but you have a choice in them in which to let them be used in your life. And then this last one, which is God's omniscience, that He knows everything that's happening, and you can rest assured that He is working on your behalf 
and that there is more than much, more than what you know. And the interesting thing about this last book that finishes the series, uh, God knows, is it was actually the first thing, the first bit of insight that the Lord gave me. So I, I actually thought it was going to be the first book, mm, yeah. and uh, when when the Lord began to really drill down on me that this was a, a three part series. It was clear that Jesus over everything had to come first. I didn't actually want to write that book, nor did I want to write it first. I didn't want to write it at all because it's very difficult to put the the idea of Jesus over everything into a chapter book. How do you write that into a book? But yeah. it was important because if priority order isn't in order, nothing else actually matters. And so this, God knows, became the final word. The interesting thing, um, and this is sort of an exclusive for your show, is there is actually a prequel to this whole to this whole trilogy um, that will that was released back in 2013 that many people didn't read. It was a book called "I Want God," mm. and um, it will um, be re-released as a Lent resource uh, in the coming season, and so um, yeah. it's 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 a it's a revival book because um, it stirred and spurred on a, a complete change in my life, which then caused these three uh, books to come to be. So all of those things happened as a result of daily prayer and mm-hmm. daily Bible reading. It wasn't any big lightning bolt from the sky. It was practice and it was discipline in my own life. So it has mm-hmm. a special place in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. And that's neat. Even just hearing you share the, you know, like the, the purpose of each book, I can see how, you know, like, obviously I think through the lens of prayer so much, but like, you know, Jesus over everything, um, a big part of our prayer life needs to be surrender to God. And we, we can't surrender to God, um, or we will struggle to surrender to God if we don't know that he's worthy and we don't, um, see him as, you know, first in our life. Um, and then the hard good, like so many times the things that people face and are struggling with will hold them back from prayer. And, you know, we, we talk about that a lot, just like how that can paralyze us. If we, if we pray for something for a really long time and then don't see God answer that, that is cause to just shrink our prayer lives pretty bad. And, um, and yeah, this new book, um, I was even looking at all the chapter titles and just seeing how each one could affect my prayer life if I remembered mm. it. Like just to give an example of a few titles, uh, chapter titles, it says, God knows you need relief. And because of that, um, if you know that, you can rest in Him in prayer. And then God knows your secret struggles. And when we like really understand that, you can confess um, to Him your sins. And then God knows your dreams, which means we can go to him and pray about these things. So one thing, um, I have a book called Pray Confidently and Consistently. And in the first chapter, we address just knowing that like our expectations of God affect how we pray. It affects if something happens and we don't expect it. Like if we have the wrong assumption about him, it will affect whether we pray or not. So I definitely see, um, your book, I know you talk about three assurances that our audience have, and it's God is good, that he loves us, and he will bring what is undone to completion. So I kind of see that like the, the those are correct expectations. So I would love to hear how knowing these things has affected you 
and um, maybe even your prayer life, um, just knowing these things to be true about God. Yeah. Well, the God is good piece. Uh, I talked a lot about in the hard good because I think there mm-hmm. is the 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 easy statement for believers is God is good, but I think there is a sort of a an underlying part of us that wonders that in hard times is God good? Is actually God good to me? Those kinds of things. There is also a theological component that I think is is important to drill down on. I talk about this some and God knows, which is, you know, we we love the idea that God knows about things when it works out for us. When mm-hmm. when things are going well, you know, God just knew. God knew that 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 was needed in my life, or you know, all of those things and. I don't think we realize how much of our faith is in sound bites and how much of our faith is quite honestly shallow. But, you know, if we believe that God knows and we believe this in this attribute of God, this, this omniscience piece, then we have to believe it fully. And that means in times that we don't love the way that looks. It's called mm-hmm. faith. It's called trust. It's called surrender. All of those things that are difficult for us. And so this isn't a one-sided, one-dimensional faith piece. This is, this is all-encompassing. This is that God is, that God does. It, it, it is all of those things. And so uh, that is where we have that's where we've we've pledged our life and so um i think that is is hugely important important is it easy no but it does develop a sort of confidence and um peace in our spirit that we don't otherwise have when we're when we're sort of approaching this in in a one-dimensional way in a very shallow faith type of way and um, so that's important. I think the other thing is, you know, the, the peace of God will not leave things undone and he will bring them to completion. Mm-hmm. For me, as a very justice-driven person, and mm-hmm. I think even if, if someone wouldn't term themselves that way, all of us want to to be able to believe that that God is going to set things straight, that God will make things right, because there are just some things on this earth that are not correct. They're, they're not right. We, we struggle with those pieces. We struggle with the things that, that, are, not, that are not right. And I think for, for all of us as, as human beings, the idea of the justice of God is maybe the most important reason that we need to believe in someone more than ourselves. And so prayer is a huge component of this because if you'll notice in times of injustice in this world, the only thing that people have is prayer. The only the only hope people have is that there is a God who will make things right. And so you know, we can continue to believe that there's something that we can do to force force the hand of this world to make everything right. But yet, 
we know that that is not the truth. And so those things are are wildly important for all of us. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate you sharing all that. Okay. So um, Lisa, piggybacking off of that question about expectations and everything, I know you've said um, that we've been sold some junk theology and that we can have the wrong idea about God. Um, so what is the right idea about him um, knowing everything? Mm, yes. Well, there's multiple things at play with the junk theology, but I'll just pick one. Mm-hmm. You know, one is that it, it, he is sort of like that strict principle, right? Like that he's looking over our shoulder when we're in the hallway at school and kind of saying like, I saw that. I saw what you're doing there and I'm here to bust you on any infraction. It's sort of the idea that he is judgmental versus Mm -hmm. the great judge, capital J, that we know from scripture who will, you know, judge righteously uh, as a part of who he is and a part of his character, which, by the way, we want and need so desperately. It's a part of the justice piece that we we need in this in this world and in the world to come, um, which is, was, is such a comfort to us as we know that he will be fair in all things and there's no spin to God and, and he has no favoritism and all of those things. The reality is that he knows all. And in that sense, that means that he knows everything about your life. He knows everything that you've done, everything you will do, every mm-hmm. every mistake you've ever made, every willful choice, every sin, everything that has grieved his heart. All of the things, you know, we can say, well, you know, my spouse knows everything or my best friend knows everything. No, they don't. They don't know everything. They don't know every uh, sinful thought that you've ever had in your brain. God does. And yet, He loves you still, still offers that beautiful free gift of salvation, still offers that unconditional love, knows every single thing, and loves you no differently. Mm-hmm. There's there's no one else that has ever or will ever offer that. And so, while He's the great righteous judge who shows no favoritism, and will set all things straight. He also is not judgmental in the in the human characteristic that we know. So that's just one of the places of junk theology that we have, and is super important to know the truth. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, you're definitely going to fear going to God in prayer if you feel like he, you know, like anything surprises him. And I I have that conversation often with my oldest daughter, who's nine, who she, she wants to be so perfect. And I just have to tell her like, Hey, God knows everything that you've already done and what you will do. And he still has chosen to die for us. You know, that's, um, I think it takes a a lot of pressure off our future sins, which doesn't mean that we, you know, I know scripture talks about like, it doesn't mean we just willfully go, sin just because we feel like we can, but I think it just removes the shame that we can feel with God. And it's very hard to pray when you feel shameful around him. Absolutely. That's exactly right. What, um, what I will let you choose which answer you want to say, uh, but feel free to share what either one of your biggest answered prayers has been in your life or what one of the biggest no's was that, um, you've had that maybe, and what God taught you through that. Hmm. Well, 
uh, I'd say, you know, some of those are private, obviously, but um, I, I could say they're kind of they're kind of one in the same. Some of the one of the biggest no's was also one of the biggest answers to my prayer, and so one of the biggest yeses. Uh, one of the biggest no's was we. I always wanted to build our a dream home. And, uh, you know, we actually had the plans drawn up for those. We had had a piece of land that we'd owned for about 15 years. Um, it's too long of a story, but through a series of, of events, there had been that that land had been tied up in litigation. It was which was it actually wasn't our litigation. It was some um, landowners around it. It was, mm-hmm. it was literally a crazy, crazy story. And um, finally, we were free and clear. We were going to be able to build our dream home, met with an architect, got all these plans drawn up. My dream for so many years, I love design. And the Lord really just honestly um, put on my heart that we could not, we could not build that home. And I was so gravely disappointed. I can't even begin to tell you. So that was clearly a no. But the interesting thing was, it was a yes, in a way, because he knew a bigger dream in my heart was to have a place for ministry that would actually have two two dwellings, and it, it, it was really a, an obscure dream that I had. But I wanted I wanted us to have actually the smaller home than we had been mo- we had moved from originally. I wanted a small home and a larger place for ministry out in out in the back of our of our property. And what we were going to build, it, it wasn't going to work exactly right. Even though I was just so set on this dream home, it was going to be too much. And what was going to suffer was the ministry space. Mm. And so, of course, God knew that. And um, in the end, the yes was a yes to the smaller home that I had always wanted. And this obscure property that we found, which had a barn in the back of this property that we refurbished to become our ministry space, which is actually much larger than our actual home. And that was the original dream. And God knew that. And so that was the yes. And the no was to the other, which wouldn't have been the better plan. Well, and isn't it crazy? You know, those are probably both two prayers that you had and they couldn't coexist, you know? So yeah, he knew what was best. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Would you... I would love to just hear last question. In what ways do you long to keep growing your prayer life? Mm. Oh, this is, this is just an ongoing desire of mine. I think um, I want to continue to talk less, listen more, Mm -hmm. listen deeper. I guess I would say Um, I want to pray for other people more. Um. And I think consistency. I, I would I would love to have I'd love to see my prayer life become even more consistent. So those those are the yeah. ways I'd love it to grow. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And thank you so much for being here. Um, will you tell everyone where to find out more about you and your new book? Yes, absolutely. LisaWhittle.com is the best place to find it. Super easy. Just has everything that you could possibly want to know there. (laughs) Nice. And Lisa, would you close us in prayer? Sure. Lord, I thank you so much for um, this time on Val's show and with the listeners. Lord, I just pray that wherever they are in their relationship with you, that you'd meet them right there. Lord, I pray that you would... um, 
just speak to them in uh, their needs of their heart, Lord, that you would show them uh, ways to to deepen those conversations with you, that they wouldn't be intimidated by word count or big fancy um, speeches, but Lord, that they would understand that it truly is just um, communication with you, Lord, sitting with you, hearing from you and your word. And so I thank you so much that you've given us this beautiful ability to be able to to speak with you. Uh, what, what an honor. And so we love you and thank you for this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, Lisa. Thank you.